Hey guys, Chad here. Welcome to another edition of the Chad Shipley Show, where I usually bring you interesting, insightful, and entertaining content or people. But today is going to be a little bit different. I really want to use this episode to get a little vulnerable, open up a little bit. And I'm doing that because I think that it's an important exercise to go through and to reflect on because of where I'm at in my life right now, which is what I'll just term the switch. (laughs) So, you know, sort of that point where you feel like you kind of hit rock bottom or a place lower than you've been in a long time, and you finally make the mental transformation that it's time to start going in the opposite direction. It's time to climb has been sort of my tagline. And it's really helpful for me just to kind of put it all out there. And I think with opening it up to a larger audience, you know, I hope it has an opportunity to motivate, inspire, but more than anything else, to reach even that one person that might be in a dark place or might be somewhere they never thought they'd be and is looking for something, some way to get their own switch, that mental snapping that just says it's time to stop and we need to fight back. And I'll get into the details of what that really means to me because it's a lot harder to do than it is to say to you know wake up one day and just say I'm going to change is not the way that it works I tried that over and over and over again and I kept finding myself going 3,000 miles per hour in the opposite direction so just to set the stage I I think most of the people listening to this know that I left my job in corporate America, my my really good job, my high-paying job. Um, and I don't say any of this as a like bragging. It just really helps to set the context for the mental state that I eventually got into. So, you know, I worked my whole life in 15 years or whatever in uh, corporate America, spent a lot of time working on very complex projects, working my butt off, so to speak, and climbing the corporate ladder. I left my last job. I was the director in a technology department. I reported directly to the CIO, and it was for a multi-billion dollar company. So it was a really, it was actually a billion dollar law firm. And so it was, it was a very big organization. I had the opportunity to work directly for the CIO. Before that, I ran a project management office. I did a lot of business architecture. I did management consulting with the top companies in the world, top companies or firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers being one of them. And uh, so I, I worked for a long time and then one day just said, I'm going to give all of that up. I'm going to put all of the cards on myself or all on the all of the chips on myself and basically go all in on just becoming an entrepreneur and launching a business. And I decided to launch a fitness studio. Uh, It launched in January of 2020. And so it was a year of a lot of grind, obviously with COVID, you know, we had a lot of struggles. We shut down in March, opened back up in June or July. Uh, I had to shut down again in December. 
And, you know, they're, they're on the outside, everything looks amazing. The gym is growing like crazy. We have all kinds of members. I think there's over 130 monthly members at this point, but there's a lot of pack buyers, there's a lot of kids, and we have a lot of great things going for us. We just won the best gym in Pittsburgh, which was a voting um, through a magazine. Um, and so we, you know, we were, do, were doing really, really well from the business. But on the personal side, I've been going through a lot of turmoil, so to speak, and I don't necessarily want to get deep into the specifics of that just because it's very personal to me. But at the highest level, I went through a separation, you know, several months back, and it was it was just really hard for the people that know me, know how close I am with my daughter, and so to get to a point in life where, you know, you spent the last six years of your life every day excited to come home and to play with your kids or to do this or that. And then one day just wake up in a place where that's not happening anymore. And you're not coming home to your kids every night. It was, it was super difficult for me. That change was very difficult. And I, I actually started getting to a place where everything started to seem like what what was all of it for? What did all the work like why why have I worked so hard to get to this point where I'm now living in a 700 square foot one bedroom apartment and I don't have a family. I don't have my daughter with me all the time. I'm not seeing her every night and I'm working my tail off at this business for what? And I will just caveat it by saying that like this is by far the best thing I've ever done. I work a lot, but I have so much freedom in my life because I'm always working on the things that I want to be working on. And I've talked a lot about this in the other podcast, all kind of leading up to me leaving the corporate world. But I I would I, I would not make I would not change the decision to open a business. But it just got to the point where I was just really frustrated with where my life had ended up from a family perspective. And I started to severely abuse alcohol in a way that people should never abuse alcohol. And I I became a person that I didn't know. I was doing things that I never would imagined I'd be doing. Um, I would never do sober. And these aren't like crazy things, like I'm not out, you know, fighting people and like doing like really malicious uh, acts of violence or anything like that, but just consciously making decisions and, you know, like just the fact of getting really drunk and sleeping in an entire day and not waking up and doing my normal routine or exercising or doing the work that I should be doing or following up with the friends I should be following up with or my family whatever it would be, I was just in a really bad place. I I showed up to staff meetings like where I took my staff team out and I showed up to that pretty drunk. I sh- you know, I we launched a marathon at at Helicon and throughout the entire day I'd probably drank for 6 hours straight and then went into a night of, you know, really not even knowing what happened, um which is a pretty scary place to be. I I 
you know, remember my sister coming over to try to help me one morning and I had already started drinking to the point where I ended up at a bar at two in the afternoon drinking whiskey and just crying to myself. Um, it was a never ending battle with drinking and, um, it was all the time. And, uh, there's not too many people that would actually know this. Um, I, I think for the most part, I still did everything that I needed to be doing and, you know, no one would have really caught on to, or no one had really caught on to some of the stuff that was happening. But to me, it was so crazy. I I was, you know, like trying to get back to my house at four in the morning and not even have my keys on me and calling my sister in the middle of the night. And it was just on and on and on. And it, it became this just real whirlwind of a really bad spiral, like this dark downward spiral. And I had a lot of friends reaching out. You know, my best friend Jason constantly was trying to get me to come over, to come have dinner, to, you know, see how I was doing 24-7 around the clock because he knew that the drinking was out of control. Um, I had other friends that had gone through, you know, some things in their lives that were kind of similar and I could relate to and they they helped me a lot but at the same time gave me some hard talks and said look you know you you're going through some hard stuff but you need to figure out how to how to get your shit together and turn this thing around so without laboring the point too much I just I spent a lot of time going through a lot of things and I ended up in a place where I felt like I couldn't get out of And every time I said, it's time to change, it just went back to the same old. I would be done with work, I would have worked really hard, or I would have worked out really hard, and I would have felt like I accomplished something great, and I would be coming home to nothing and no one. And I've always kind of been a person that likes to be by myself, so going to a bar and sitting by myself is not anything that's unusual. Um, I could go to a movie theater by myself, I could go out to dinner by myself, I could go on walks by myself. I basically like am a very independent person that loves spending time by myself and thinking and doing all kinds of great things like that, but going out to bars every night after work or almost every night, and saying that I'll have one or two, and then having 10 or 15, and then switching the whiskey, and getting to a point where I felt like my whole life was completely slipping away. And there was no way to rebound from that. So I know a lot of people listening to this are probably thinking like, you know, you really need help, you need to get into some sort of recovery program or AA, and that might be true, Um, but I will say that it was the life events driving the urge to self-sabotage more than it was the desire to actually be drinking, Um, and I don't know if that will make sense to anyone, but that's just sort of the way that I've rationalized and have made sense of it because in reality like I don't need to drink ever (laughs) I can go like I used to like go you know 
forever and ever and ever without having a drink. And, um, and I could then have social drinks and not get drunk. And, you know, that was not a problem. The problem was that my life completely flipped upside down. I spent all my time working basically two jobs. You know, as I was working to launch Sweat Bar, I was still employed. So there was a lot of work going into that. I'd spent years flipping houses and buying real estate and doing everything I could to set up a nest egg, so so to speak. And I spent that entire nest egg to open a gym. And I spent a year struggling to make that gym work. And it's going great, but I still don't know if it'll work to the extent of, like, would it have been worth it considering the amount of money invested to open it. And so um, everything just started to seem like uh, it was all shit, and I stopped caring. Like, I wanted a little shack, and I wanted to be left alone from the world. And if I wanted to drink, I'd drink, and whenever I could see my daughter, I would want to see my daughter. And outside of that, like, nothing really mattered and I knew that um, that was not me but that's just the way that I was feeling and it sucked <laughs> so I um, I you know I, I had a couple of people say to me like look man you know you, you you worked really hard to do and to get to where you're at like what are you doing and um, you're gonna throw it all away and I think For me, telling myself that one day that, like, I'm everything that I've worked for my entire life, it's not gone yet, but it's going to be if I keep doing what I'm doing. And by the way, I hate living like this. This isn't, this isn't me. This isn't my life. And so I, um, I, I finally decided that enough was enough. And, um, after like two days of, kind of being in a really bad place, I just said, you're going to go run for three hours and you're not going to stop and you're going to figure shit out. And more than anything, like there is therapy that happens on runs for sure. Anyone that runs will tell you that, you know, you can really get a lot of clarity when you go on a nice, nice long run. But more than anything, I wanted to experience physical pain like I haven't experienced in a long time. I, I kind of coined it as the pain, fixing the pain, so to speak. And I think sometimes you need to do that. You need to just put yourself into the fire and that's what's going to help build the shield and make you a little bit stronger and resilient to a lot of the things that are happening. So I did that and, um, and then I, I got some good workouts in. I, you know, I had some amazing conversations with a really good friend of mine who helped me tremendously uh, just with encouragement and giving me confidence. And I started to say, like, let's, let's sign up to some shit. <laughs> like, let's put some goals on the calendar, right? And that's what I really want this podcast to be about is the mechanism of, like, what the transformation has been like and the things that have helped the most. And for me, that mental transformation of saying, like, okay, it's time to go find the pain. Let's go put yourself into some discomfort. Let's go seek some things that are going to be really challenging and let's go figure out who the hell you are. And so I started signing up. I put goals on the calendar. My buddy Dustin Kalkbrenner said this too, like the the best thing you can do is just to say, okay, I'm going to run this race or by this month I'm going to do X. 
or like by this month I'm going to write this many pages in my book. Whatever it is, like whatever your thing is, you just need to put goals out there. You need to sign yourself up. You need to create accountability and you need to get the hell after it, right? So I, um, I have a couple of things, big things coming up. We have a sweat bar fitness event. It's a fundraiser event, August 6th. I'm doing that with my good friend, Matt Marshall. I want us to like basically dominate everyone. So I want to train hard for that. We have, I think there's a Spartan race like the last weekend of August that I haven't signed up for yet, but I'm planning on signing up for that. I have mud on the mountain with an entire sweat bar team. There's like 16 of us the first weekend in September. Um, and then there's a sweat bar fitness helicon 5k 10k so our gym is launching a 5k 10k helicon on the 18th um, of September so I will be in that for sure the next day I just signed up to a triathlon so it's triathlon sprint which is not a full Ironman it's not an Olympic Ironman is half of an Ironman and then a sprint is even less than that so I'm not too worried about that one yet um I think that I'll be trained enough for that. And then uh, there's the great race happening the weekend after that, the last weekend of September. There's the EQT 10-miler coming up. There's the Salt Fork, Ohio run coming up in like November. And then I plan on going with my buddy Dustin to Florida to do the Olympic Ironman, which is half the distance of an Ironman, where we'll be swimming through a lake in Florida, which should be a really awesome time not i'm so scared of alligators but i guess uh we'll figure it out when i mentioned it to dustin that like we'd be swimming in a lake in florida in the middle of summer or i guess like that's not summer but that's probably even worse he said there's 2500 other people and if it's his time then so be it and i thought that was a horrible philosophy but whatever um i'm actually running a 5k on august 7th for the north Fed community days basically i'm trying to sign up to any and everything that i can and um you know, recently uh, I, I created a workout called The Jared. It was a, 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 tri- a tribute to my good friend Jared Withrow that just passed. And um, it was the last workout that when he came into the gym um, in his last couple months, he, he was trying to get into the gym. He loved working out. We loved working out together. I drew up that workout. He walked in. He looked at it. He said, that looks fucking aggressive. I like it. And uh, it's insane. It's 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 one of the hardest workouts. It's the hardest workout I've ever done in my life. Um, but I, I just did that the other day. I really wanted to, to get through that workout. It took three hours. It was insane. Anyone that really cares, it's um, 200 box jumps, a 5,000 meter row on a rower, a 200 calories on an air bike, 300 rope slams, 200 ball slams. I used a 30-pound ball. Uh, 10 chin-ups, 100 push-ups, 100 burpees, 100 frog or 200 froggy sit-ups, touching hands behind your head and then in front of your feet. And what else was there? Something else. That might have been it. Oh, 1,000 jump ropes. And yeah, I think that's it. There was nine exercises total. It was crazy. It took three hours. And, uh, you know, that's played a big part into all of this as well. You know, Jared was the guy that was in my corner, the guy that gave me tons of confidence, the guy that I turned to for help, even in, you know, uh, his, his last couple months when he was, you know, sick and going through the things he was going through. I'm being selfish and talking about all my shit. And he would put it in perspective for me and just say, like, look, we, you know, everyone's got really tough things they're dealing with. And, um, you know, he was always there for me. Uh, like 
constantly. And he was a guy that, like, you don't meet ever in life. Um, he was a friend that most people can only dream of ever having or meeting. And he was the strongest person I've ever met mentally, physically. Um, he was the one, so to speak, among a crowd full of very strong people. He was just an incredible, incredible person, a friend, a dad, a husband. He was the guy that I strive to be every day. And it was a, it was a huge wake up call because Jared was the guy that didn't push off life. He didn't wait until he was 60 to do the things that he wanted to do. He didn't say like he was going to get into shape one day. He worked his ass off. He was a police officer. He served and he was a SWAT team police officer where he served. And when he wasn't serving, he was either being a dad or being a husband or he was in my gym throwing weights around like a fucking machine. And the guy was just incredible. And he spent every day living his life to the fullest. And he was the one person that did not that you would never imagine something like this happening to because most people honestly and sadly waste their lives and they waste the things that they've been given. They waste everything that God's given them, which is how I felt over the last several months. Um, and and they kind of lived that way for a long time. They kind of live in this very comfortable, mediocre state of not being fulfilled, of being not happy, of all the shit. And he was not that. He was the guy that lived life to the fullest every day. And he worked really hard every day for himself, for his family, for his mental state, for his physical state. And to see someone like that get it all taken away at such a young age was just the most terrible thing. I think I'm still in shock. It's been five weeks now, four or five weeks, and I'm still in shock. Um, and it gets sadder every day, I think, about him being in the gym with me. Um, when I did the Jared, the workout, I heard him talking to me. I visualized us in the gym the last time we were in the gym. I visualized him laughing. I visualized the things that he was saying. I visualized us you know, talking about the workout and how most people couldn't do it and that we had to push through it. And when it got really, really hard, I heard him whispering in my ear you know, the, the encouragement to, to keep going. And... Uh, and so, you know, with all of that, um, kind of leads me into the whole naming of this podcast. So tears of God, really what that means to me is that, and I, I guess I should say I've been hooked on this name for a long time. I started writing a fictional novel years ago about a, a person that kind of lost everything. They lost their family and turned to alcohol and the alcohol drove them into the worst place they could ever imagine. So I don't know if I foreshadowed my life five years ago when I started writing a fictional novel, but it turns out that um, I actually ended up pretty much living the book that I wrote. And I don't, I think it's like an 85 page draft at this point. But that was the name Tears of God. And what it means is that God's crying because everything he wanted you to become or me to become and everything he gave you to become that you didn't use and you didn't fulfill. And, and that's the hardest thing for me to deal with and to think about and to see someone like Jared get his life taken away. And then for me to be throwing mine 
literally in the trash and just giving up and quitting and saying, I don't care or, or whatever. Um, it was all really disheartening. Um, and I, I know a lot of people are like that, which is why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this and kind of opening up about it because I think when you start to think in those terms that you do have things that God gave you that are great things, whoever your God is, whatever, whatever you believe in, wherever you came from, you got great things that need to be utilized. And, and if you're not doing that, then you're not living your life to the fullest. And there was a quote that I heard a long time ago that has stuck with me for a long time, which is, I don't fear failure, I fear regret. And there's a speech that Denzel Washington gives, and it's probably my favorite speech of all time, but um, it it, it was one of the things that really helped me get out of corporate America and get into um, the, you know, launching my own business and the courage to do that. And if anyone wants that link, just hit me up and I'll, I'll send you a copy or a link of it. Or you can join my, um, my Friday Fire news list. Um, just send me an email and get on that newsletter. Um, I send out a newsletter every Friday with bullets of things that have really helped me. And, um, that's going to be coming up as one of the videos that has had a massive impact on my life, but it's just a bunch of interesting, entertaining, cool stuff. It's basically the podcast and a newsletter with just some quick bullets, bullets. Um, and people seem to really be liking that. So you're going to send me a message in Chad Shipley at gmail.com and I'll, I'll get you a link to sign up for that newsletter. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that that whole notion of, you know, being on your deathbed 30 years from now and saying like, I wish I would have done more. And luckily I don't think Jared had any of those regrets. I think that he lived an amazing life and lived every day to the fullest. And well, I know he did, but I just, I don't think that he would have had any regrets at all because he just did everything 300%. And he should not have had any regrets at all. But um, I think a lot of us would if we were, you know, given that same life diagnosis and if 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 for some reason our life was was to be taken from us so you know i posted today that you know nothing is you know your future is not promised you know you don't you don't want to wait you don't want to plan you just want to go you want to you want to start doing the things that you need to be doing so that when you are finally lying on your deathbed ready to meet your maker that you feel like you've live the life that you wanted to live and that you were capable of living. And so that's kind of been the the notion for me. And it's hypocritical because I have not been that person for a long time, but I am on my way back up and I feel pretty good about it. So uh, the newsletter actually was one of the things that has helped me, you know, kind of pull it all back together. I do it for me. It's, you know, I told my really good friend that I mentioned before that has been helping me through all of this. I told her that that was, um, you know, one of the things that really has helped me just getting back into my books, getting back into the content, um, even like getting back into podcasting is going to help because that's the stuff that I love to do. I love to spend my time reading books and, you know, taking notes. I showed her my extensive, like, encyclopedia of notes and I think that she was taken back by that <laughs> slightly because it is pretty massive um my whole way of indexing all of my quotes and excerpts and books and all of that kind of stuff but um 
that's the stuff that I really enjoy doing. And I'm getting back to that, you know, the running, the riding. Um, I just bought a bike for this triathlon, which I'm so excited about. And I'm going to start swimming. I'm getting back to racquetball. I'm spending all of my time with the people that make me happy. I'm not doing things that I that I would not like doing unless I was drinking. So, for example, there's a lot of, like, going to a baseball game I would never enjoy unless I was drinking. Um, so I'm just going to stop going to baseball games. Not that I actually ever went to baseball games. But there's a lot of stuff like that where I'm not going to enjoy myself unless... I'm drinking, and so that just means that's not something that I should be doing. I just need to spend my time somewhere else. So golfing is a great example. I would never in a million years go golfing if I was not drinking. So we're not going to go golfing anymore, <laughs> ever, <laughs> like ever. I will probably never be on a golf course again unless it's a really special event for someone that means a hell of a lot to me. Um and so uh, that that's kind of like my my story. Um, you know, I don't, I didn't get too well. Maybe I did get pretty dramatic, but um, you know, it's not life or death. But to me, it was it was all really bad, and um, I felt the business slipping away. I felt my life slipping away. I felt like I was making decisions that could have had massive consequences, and I won't get into those. But um, I did things I'm not proud of that could have really landed me in bad, bad, bad places. And, um, and you know, like that was, it was hard because it becomes a downward spiral. You just, once you've done that, those things, um, you, you feel like you can't rewind it. And when you can't rewind it and you can't fix it, you kind of just keep going and you keep making it worse and worse and worse until you finally hit a point where you just feel like you can't take the pain anymore. And, um, and that's where I think I was. So if anyone is there, um, I just want you to know that, you know, there is light and there is hope and that it's just going to take a major mental shift where you have to literally say to yourself that like it, you're done and everything's got to change. And when I made that decision, everything changed. Like I wanted to start eating better and taking care of my body and getting better sleep and spending time with the people that like didn't drive me crazy 24/7 and I started ignoring the people that did and and I just got to such a happier place in my soul and I'm you know I'm I'm looking forward to all these big goals and these big events and I'm um, just going to push myself as hard as I possibly can and then see see what um see what comes from it so Anyway, that's it. I uh, I didn't want to spend more than 30 minutes, and I'm about 31 right now, so I'm just going to wrap this up, and I, I hope that uh, you know those that needed to hear this heard it, and uh, I hope that it helps you for everyone else that you know might have just felt like they were being dragged through this episode. <laughs> I apologize. Um, you know, I realize that it's probably not going to touch and resonate with everyone. And some of you might just be like, oh, my God, I didn't know you were like this big of an asshole. And, you know, it's kind of scary to put this out there because I have a lot of members that I see every single day. And I don't know which of them may or may not have re- heard this. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, a jeopardizing situation for me. But at the end of the day, if I'm not being myself and if I'm not being authentic, I'm just going to continue lying to myself and that's not a part of the solution. That just is a part of the problem. And so I needed to fix, fix all of it. So here it is. 
do with it as you will. Thanks.